0: Well, good evening. It's good to be with you. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, in just a moment. We are delighted to have each of you with us this evening. Glad we could be back together. It's been a good day. It's been a good day to worship God. We appreciate the wonderful worship we had this morning. And as we have come back this evening to give God more, we're just thankful that we can be able to do that. We are a blessed people, and that's so wonderful as we think about that good to be together every time we're together good things happen when we open our bibles and open our hearts when i was in the sixth grade many years ago at jk Lilly school number 53 in indianapolis my sixth grade teacher was mrs sheet miss sheets she was single she had long stringy hair she had round glasses i think she just got off the hippie bus that's the way she looked to me And she was my English teacher. And for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks, we listened to the song by Simon Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. She loved that song. And we listened to it every day. And we were to write an essay about that song. Now, that song is about the Vietnam War. And it's about civil rights problems. And it's about building a bridge over troubled in the nation. But when you're in the sixth grade and all you're thinking about is baseball and mowing grass and going home watching cartoons, uh, that just didn't get to me. All I saw was a bridge over a creek. That's all I saw. And that's an essay I wrote. And dear Miss Sheets didn't like my essay. I wasn't deep enough. I wasn't thinking deep enough. And I say that to say sometimes when we come to the Bible, that's the same thing we face. We have simple statements in our Bible, love God, love God with all your heart, your mind and soul, love one another, simple commands, and we look at that and say, that's so simple. But then we start looking at the layers of what that involves, and we see some of the difficulties with that. We talk about following Jesus wherever he goes. Well, sometimes Jesus leads us to those dark valleys of the shadow of death. Sometimes Jesus puts us at a table in the presence of our enemies, as Psalms 23 says to both of those places. And so sometimes when we think about this idea of simply loving, it can be very difficult. So last week we began a little three-part series on the trouble with love. The trouble is not with God. The trouble is us doing it sometimes. Because sometimes we just have a hard time doing it. And sometimes we don't feel like doing that. And so last week we talked about the idea of loving our enemies, one of the commands of Jesus. And then we saw a demonstration where Jesus didn't just say those words, he actually showed us that. We went to the garden where Peter cut off the ear of Malchus and Jesus put that ear right back. To someone who came to arrest him, someone who we could say was his enemy, Jesus did those things. And so tonight we're going to continue with this series and talk about some more things as we look at this, as we emphasize this idea of following God as God wants us to. And tonight we're going to talk about the choices of love. When we love God, it puts us sometimes in difficult choices, and that's what we want to look at this evening See, the follower of Jesus Christ, the follower of God, will always put God first. Putting God first is always first in our lives. This audience in this room, that is so simple. So many of you are there. When you make your choices, God comes first. God always comes first. And we see that in so many different ways. Luke chapter 9 talks about denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. A lot of people don't get that today. They'll follow God as long as it's convenient. Or they'll follow God until they find a better deal in their life. Or they'll follow God until the road gets difficult, and then they're going to stop. Not for the disciple of Jesus. We know wherever that road takes us, that's where we need to be. And so we have a faith that we could say is settled. Settled meaning that there's no question in our mind. We know. We we've got, know the answer. A faith that is sure and a faith that is steadfast. Paul would say in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, For this very reason I suffer these things, for I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. The jury's not out for us. It's not a matter of, well, should we, should we? Now we know. We know because the evidence in the scriptures. And so this evening what we want to do is we talk about this idea of the choice of love. I'm going to share with you three simple principles. And then, like Darren did at the end of this morning, I'm going to give you some application that we put all this together. First thing we need to look at and appreciate as we think about this is that loving God oftentimes puts us in the middle of hard choices. And that's what we're going to look at. I've got five different places in our Bible we're going to look at. So let's begin over in the book of Exodus. They'll be up here on the screen. The verses will not, but just, uh, just uh, notations will be. So let's begin in Exodus chapter 1. And begin verse 8, read down to verse 17. Following God, loving God, oftentimes puts us in difficult situations, puts us in the middle of hard choices. If we weren't following God, it would be easy. We'd just do whatever we want to do. But because we love God and we follow God, these things come up. So in Exodus chapter 1, begin verse 8. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people... "...of the sons of Israel more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply, and in the event of war they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. They built for Pharaoh storage cities in Pidim and Ramesses. And the more they inflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out, so they were in dread of the sons of Israel." The Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously, and they made their lives bitter with hard labor and mortar and bricks and all kinds of labor in the field, all their labors which they rigorously imposed upon them. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom was named Shiprah, and the other was Pua, and said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birthstool, if it is a son, you shall put him to death. If it is daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. And so what we see in these passages here is this difficult situation. This is not about wearing masks. This is not about trucks up in Canada. This is about taking somebody's life. Way back in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God said we are not to take the life of another person. And here they're faced with this situation. Every time one of those Hebrews have a boy, you are to kill them. But they feared God. They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And they were defiant against Egypt because they knew what they should do. Now, the second passage is along the same idea, but we're going to look at it in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. And again, it's within the same context of what we just mentioned. This time we go to Hebrews 11, and we're going to talk about... Moses' mother and father. Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. It was against the law for Moses to live because he was a boy born among the Hebrews. Following God, loving God, Oftentimes put you right in the middle of difficult situations. Now, the next one is in the very next verse and following Hebrews 11, beginning verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Notice these action words. In verse 24, he refused. Verse 25, he chose. Verse 27, he did not fear. And in verse 27, he endured. Once again, following God sometimes puts you in the middle of tough choices. Now, for American theology, that bothers us. Because in our way of thinking, if I follow God, life ought to get easier. I'm following God. I'm doing what's right. If I follow God, life ought to be sunshine every day. And what we're seeing here is that's not the situation. And oftentimes, when we choose to put God first in our life, we're right in the middle of a difficult situation. Our next passage takes us to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. And again, Loving God puts you in the middle of difficult situations. Let's grab the first three verses to get the context, and we'll jump on down to verse 13. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the, uh, the temple guard, Sadducees, came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. We're talking about Peter and John here. And they laid their hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Now we jump down in Verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men, that they were marveling, began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to go outside of the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? "...for the fact is noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them not to speak no more to anyone in that name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus." Peter and John answered and said to them, verse 19, Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you, rather than to God, you be the judge. Verse 20, for we cannot stop speaking what we have heard and seen. Following God puts you in the middle of a mess sometimes. Here the city official says, we're telling you it's against the law. Don't be saying Jesus' name anymore. Don't be preaching Jesus anymore. Don't be doing these miracles anymore. We want you to stop. We're going to let you out of jail, but you got to obey the law. And what they're saying is, we put God first. We cannot stop. And then the fifth example I want to give to you, then we're going to tie this all together, takes us to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3, and you know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego in the fiery furnace. And let's just, be, let's just grab a section of this, starting verse 16. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16. And here, big statue have been put up. They've already blown the trumpets. Everyone's bowed down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're brought before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says at the end of verse 15, What God is there that can deliver you out of my hand? In other words, I don't care who your God is. I'm stronger than any God. That's what he's saying. 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give he, give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he'll deliver us out of your hand O king but even if he does not let it be known to you O king that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up we don't need no more time to think about this we don't need to have a little discussion about this we don't need more time we don't need to contemplate this we don't need to talk it over our answer is solid we're not bowing down whether we die or not it's up to our god But we are not going to do what you say. And all this reminds us that when we see these passages, love God, put God first in your life, that sometimes they put us right in the middle of a mess. Now, some things we need to talk about this. First of all, don't ever think that no one will ever notice you because they do. Remember in Matthew 5 when Jesus was talking about the light An assault, he says in Matthew 5, verse 14, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. We cannot be hidden. You will be noticed. You'll be noticed at school. You'll be noticed at work. You'll be noticed at the gym. You'll be noticed in this room. You'll be noticed at home. People will notice what you say. They will notice your reaction. They will remember things. Now go with me in a little memory lane here. Do you remember that kid in school that always got in trouble? Remember that kid? All these years later, you remember him, don't you? You remember that kid who was a clown in school at the class show-off? He was always showing off. He was always being the clown, always being the fool. Now, we all went to different schools, but you know what? All of us are thinking of a name. We're seeing the face. All these years later, we remember We remember these things. And so Satan notices, and God notices. And so to all those stories we just read, whether we talk about the midwives, we talk about Moses' parents, Moses, whether we talk about Peter and John, or we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all noticed because they decided to stand with God. Loving God isn't always easy. And that's why I want us to see. If we're looking for the easy way in life, it won't be following Jesus. If we're looking for the way that's just not going to have any problems in life, it's not going to be following Jesus. But that's a dead-end road that won't take us to heaven. Secondly, don't think that your choice won't make a difference because it does. You know, back in Daniel 3, as that story comes to an end, I want you to know it's verse 28 and verse 29 They come out of that fiery furnace. They didn't even smell like smoke. Nebuchadnezzar is amazed. And he says in verse 28, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb by limb, their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no God who is able to deliver in this way. They made a difference, didn't they? Peter would say in 1 Peter 3 verse 15 about the people who see a hope in us, and they're going to be asking about that. You and I can make a difference. And then thirdly... When we get the idea, well, there's some times in my life I just don't want to decide. It's going to make me do some difficult things and I'm uncomfortable doing those, so I just don't want to decide. And when you say, I don't want to decide, you have decided. Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 23, if you're not with me, you're against me. And so what would have happened had Moses' parents not decided? We just don't know what to do here. We don't know if we violate the government, they may kill us. But, but if we don't, you know, I mean, if, if we do this, this may not go well either. What if Moses stayed in the palace? What if Peter and John said, well, you know what, we're, we're going to stay quiet here because they told us not to speak. What if the three Jewish men said, we can't decide whether to bow down or not? You see, those stories would not have been told to us, and we wouldn't know these stories. And so what we need today is men and women who have backbones, spiritual backbones. Lavas have a funny bone. Lavas have a jawbone. Some of us have a lazy bone. But what God's looking for is backbone people. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, be steadfast, immovable. I'm going to do what God says no matter what. In the book of Psalms, chapter 62, Psalm 62 to look at verse five and verse six with me, Psalm sixty-two, verse five and verse six. Here it says, Psalm sixty-two, five and six. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. The King James says there at the end of verse 6, and I like how the King James roars that, it says, I shall not be moved. Is there anything that moves you? Moves you away from God? It is said that every man, every person has a price. Get to that price, and I'll sell out. Years ago, we had an insurance guy come to our house trying to sell me some insurance, and he kept looking at this picture on the wall. He'd look at that picture, man, I like that picture. And he'd talk to me a little bit more, man, I like that picture. And we'd talk a little bit more, and man, I, li- I just never seen that. I like that picture. I, I got a little irritated. I said, sir, you can buy that. I said, if the price is right, you can walk home with this picture right now. I went so far to say, sir, if the price is right, you can have everything in this house. I'd even throw in the kids at that occasion, you know. If the price is right. And what we're seeing here from the book of Psalms is I shall not be moved. Loving God sometimes makes you make some tough, tough choices. And that's what we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Number two, as we think about this, at the core of all this is an internal battle between our heads and our hearts. What we mean by this is our heads, where faith is, is what we know is right. Our hearts is where our feelings are. And so it's a battle between what I know is right and maybe what I want to be right. My faith and my feelings, truth and self, what ought to be done and what I want to do. And, and that's a battle a lot of us have A lot of us have this battle because of our friends. I don't want to get to a point where I have to say my friends are not right. And so what we do is we kind of take a step toward them and another step toward them. And what we try to do is find a way we can compromise. Now, my head tells me this. My head tells me that the Bible teaches if I'm going to be saved, I have to be baptized. That's a matter of just facts in the Bible. But I've got some dear, dear friends, and they love Jesus. They just don't believe in baptism. Could it be we're seeing this wrong? Could it be there's another way? And what you have here is a battle between the head and the heart. And I think a lot of us have that battle from time to time. And a lot of us go through things just like that. So when you turn to Luke chapter 10, and we read about the story of the Good Samaritan, again, this could be a head and heart issue. As we get to verse 30 of Luke chapter 10, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among the robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going on that road, and when he saw him, notice that. wasn't I didn't see it. I saw him, it says. He passed by on the other side. And likewise, the Levite also, when he came to the place, saw him pass by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, and the story is told to Jewish audiences, most likely this is the Jewish man that's beat up. So we're not the same doctrinally. We're not the same ethically. There's a lot of differences. And on a normal day, if we were in a restaurant, that Jewish man would not even sit down with a Samaritan. In fact, if the Jewish man went into the restaurant and saw a Samaritan there, he'd probably turn around the door and go back out. Didn't know you served that kind of people here. But on this occasion, Samaritan sees him. Doesn't know anything about the situation. He doesn't know whether he was robbed. He doesn't know what's going on. But it says, He saw him and he felt compassion, came to him and banged up his wounds and poured oil and wine on them. He put him on his own beast, Brought him to the inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two rye and gave it to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Why was not his responsibility? Love does what's not comfortable. That's what I want you to see. And so we get this internal battle between what? Maybe I shouldn't do that because I, you know, I don't want to get involved. That could be a messy situation, and it may not end well, and it could tie up so much time, and I'm going to just walk on the other side. Not the Samaritan. Because when it comes to head and heart, head needs to win. Head needs to win because that's the right thing to do. And head realizes how important that is. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, we find this powerful statement about those disciples who were being persecuted by Rome. And it says in verse 11 of Revelation 12, it says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. My life's just nothing not important. I give it to God. And if it ends now, it ends now. Can you see that? And can we see when we talk about loving God, such an easy thing to do. Love your neighbor. Love one another. And then we start peeling off these layers. We say, this is some hard stuff. And maybe I don't do it as well as I should do it. And then number three, as we think about our lesson, these choices we make affect us, they affect others, and they impact now, and they impact forever forever. We would not be talking about Moses here had he stayed in that palace. We would not be talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had they bowed down that day. But the choices they made, as uncomfortable as it was, as risky as it was, as it put them in the balance that you could die on this day, they put God first. And that's why I want us to see. Some of you are in my... Tuesday class, and in Revelation chapter 2, where we talked about the church at Ephesus, it says in verse 10 Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil's about to cast some of you into prison, and you'll be tested, and you'll have tribulation in 10 days. Be faithful until death. Be faithful when they heat that furnace up, be faithful when they open up that pit to the lions, be faithful when they say, You cannot. Do this anymore so that's the idea of love puts us in some difficult situation now let's talk about some application application number one is those hard conversations that you need to have the hard conversations we all have them it's in our family it's that people at work it's people that we need to sit down and have a conversation with about jesus it's about things that they're doing that may not be right And oftentimes what we do is we we don't want to have those conversations, so we kick that can down the road. And we just hope someone else will do it. And, And to give you an illustration of this, look with me in Matthew chapter 18. And in verse 15, Matthew 18, verse 15, as Jesus here was talking about our relationships with one another, he says, and if your brother sins, and there's a footnote that says they're against you. If your brother sins against you, Go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Now, our way of thinking is, if if Mike has sinned against me, I'm going to stay at home and wait, and Mike's going to come to me. He hurt me. It's his responsibility to come to me. That's not what that verse says. Somebody sinned against you, you go and tell them. Now, that's a hard conversation, and that's something we don't want to do. But loving God. Loving Jesus oftentimes leads us to do that. And one of the things it is, is not always conversations that are, uh, we may say, uneasy or tenseful. They can be conversations that we just need to have. The encouragement we need to give. The help that we need to give. This morning we had Susan with us. And Susan Krause and her father was buried this past week. She walked in, had little tears in her eyes. I can put my arm around her, and the first thing she said is, you know. And I do, because I buried my father just a year ago. And so sometimes when we have gone through these experiences, we can help others. I know. I've been there. You know. You've been there. And that's some of those things we see. Second application is drawing the lines with others. We've just got to realize that there are certain people that are not helping me get to heaven. There are certain people that may be taking me the wrong direction. They may not be a good influence. And they may be feeding me spiritual poison, even though I don't recognize it. And the more I'm around them, the less godly I act. And the loving thing to do is if they won't listen... They won't try to come to where Jesus is. There comes a time in my life, and I've got to draw a line. For my own soul salvation, I've got to say, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Now, that's hard. That's very hard to do. Some people may be lifelong friends. Some of them may be family members. But every time you're with them, the talk is negative. Sometimes it's even ungodly. The activity's not good. You walk away feeling guilty. You feel like I've messed up once again. And you gotta ask yourselves, how many more times do I have to go through this? Sometimes I've gotta do the hard thing. Love isn't always easy. Third thing is offering second chances to someone who hurts you. That's hard to do. Okay, again, that's against human nature. You know, God wants you to forgive. And you know from the book of Matthew in chapter 6, when Jesus gave us that model prayer, if you do not forgive, your Father won't forgive you. That's a hard thing to do. Some people we feel like don't deserve a second chance. Some people we think, I've given them a second chance. They're on number 15 by now. But forgiveness is something God wants you to do. That's hard to do. And so when we say love God... Sometimes that takes us to difficult places. And then number four is to walk in integrity. We live in a world today that has no problem lying and cheating and stealing, uh, saying things they shouldn't say. And you get to a point in your life and you say, I cannot participate in this. And as it costs Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in the fire first, it might cost me my job. And that's radical. But love God first. Follow God always. That's what we're trying to see. And so from our thoughts this evening, I hope you can see when we talk about this idea of loving God, there are choices that come with that. And if I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be, it may put me in a fiery furnace or a lion's den or standing before city officials and saying, you cannot say this anymore. And then I'm faced with a dilemma. How much do I really love God? How much is he going to be first? Someone wrote this little thing called a kingdom person. A kingdom person is someone arrested by the king. He's sold out lock, stock, and barrel to the kingdom issues. He's moved by kingdom causes. He dances to kingdom music. He's thrilled with kingdom victories. He loves kingdom subjects. He's committed to kingdom agendas. He stands for kingdom standards. He follows kingdom orders. He preaches the kingdom gospel. He invests in kingdom enterprises. He's on the kingdom schedule. He engages in kingdom conversation. He holds to a kingdom value system. He is the kingdom army. He knows the kingdom book. He speaks the kingdom's language. He fulfills the kingdom's purpose. He gives lavishly to the kingdom's project. He enjoys the kingdom's blessings. He fights the kingdom's battles. He achieves by kingdom's power. He defends kingdom positions. He endorses kingdom conquest. He worships kingdom's king. He cheers the kingdom's effort. He mourns the kingdom's losses. He pays the price for kingdom me- membership. And if need be, he dies for the kingdom's honor. He belongs to the kingdom. And that's a far cry from saying, I'm a member of a church. Somebody who's committed to God. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. Jesus said that is the greatest commandment. Hebrews 12, verse 28 says, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so we have one more lesson as we continue this three-part series. About love and about the trouble with love. Now, we need to see that these difficulties and these challenges should not make us back off. It just puts before our eyes that these are some things I need to be aware of. And I need to be aware of that if I love God, I may be facing some difficulties when I go to work tomorrow. If I say I love God, I may have some difficulties when I walk in my house tonight. When I say I love God, there's these things that come up. But either I love God or I don't. And so when we look at this or wrap our minds around us, it compels us to put God even before our own feelings. It may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. It may not even be safe, as those verses we looked at tonight. But what they are, they are of God. And God always comes first. And that's our thoughts for tonight. If we can help you in any way, we'd love to encourage you. If you're struggling with these very things, when... You're faced with tough times, and you want to sell out because that's the easy way to do. And when Satan opens up that fiery furnace, you are already bound halfway down. If we can help you be strong, we want to help you. All of us have to deal with these things. All of us are facing these things. But to remind us that God loves us more than anything else, that's why Jesus left heaven to come to here. If we can help you, once not you come as we stand, as we sing.